So, so Timothy, we, we talked about doing a podcast. I mean, we've talked about a lot of different things. We talked about how, you know, we're a couple of Lutheran pastors here in 2017, 500 years after the Re- Reformation. And uh, we both want, want, wanting to want, get good Word of God kind of kind of commentary out here. And so here we are, and and we're starting off this uh, brand new podcast. If you want to share any, any thoughts you have on it? Yeah, I just want to welcome everybody to our first ever podcast. We're going to see if if only our mom listens or if, if some other people are going to tune in. But it just seems like there's a space um, in the podcast world for um, commentary on the Bible. There, usually churches only share sermons or, or devotions and and so we're just going to get deep into the Word of God in, in, this, con- in, in this, uh, this podcast together. And I'm excited about it. It's time for a new Reformation. It's been 500 years, 2017. Yeah. So is this like, uh, you know, we were growing up and we never like ever traded chairs on the substitute teacher. You know, we're twins. We're the whole thing. And <laughs> I have this secret agenda to say things that... <laughs> I can attribute to you and and then you can attribute to me and <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I I remember our mom used to always uh even mess us up on the phone so um hopefully people can't tell us apart and then they can just assume that Tim's the one saying the smart stuff and and John's the one that's sort of dragging <laughs> on, on on this podcast here but um so maybe wh- where do you serve, Jonathan, just so if there happens to be someone other than mom listening to this podcast, that they'll, they'll know a little bit more about you. So I, I, I'm really excited to serve a church called uh, Peace Lutheran in Aiken, South Carolina. Um, just over two years ago, we planted this church here, and uh, we've been going now for a couple of years, and we've been having an absolute blast. Um, Probably the only way you're going to be able to tell me apart from my brother Timothy is that maybe I'm starting to get a little bit of a Carolina accent. I've been accused of that. I don't know if I'm buying it. (laughs) I'll drop the y'alls on occasion. I'm not sure. But yeah, what do you do? What's your Um, story? Yeah, so I, back in 2008, uh, um, a church in in the middle of New York City in Queens, New York, actually, we say it's the most diverse place in the world, and I believe that that's absolutely true. Um, they called me to be their pastor, and so uh, I've been doing that joyfully um, for for many years now. Um, now, going on uh, nine years, your foundation within church right here in Queens, New York. So yeah, that's me, I'm pastor here, and father, and all, all those types of things. <laughs> So, so we have this problem. You said, okay, we want to do this podcast and I want to do Amos. Like why, like, I mean, why not Galatians or why not Romans or why, why in the world are, are we doing Amos? Well, I mean, there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, but mostly because we just need to do it. Um, Amos is a, is a book that, um, it's, it's very, very, unknown it's nobody knows nobody knows what it's about and and um people don't they don't know what it's about and uh they don't even want to they don't even know if they want to know what it's about so 
but uh, you know, you and I, I think we agree about this. We believe that the Word of God is, is applicable. It's powerful, and so it's it's just time to 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 get into this book. I, I actually wanted to call you out, Jonathan, on this. Um, how well do you know the Book of Amos? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this. I was at a pastor's conference last last week, and, um, and the difference between the way the early Christians thought about the Old Testament as opposed to how we do it. I mean, Peter, when Peter, it's almost like Peter Peter's Bible was was the Old Testament. He was talking about, um, he's referring to the transfiguration event when Jesus looked like the sun, and 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 he says he says, let me tell you something about even clearer, even better. And he points back to the Old Testament um, really as his Bible. And um, as New Testament Christians, I think it's good for us to reclaim that. But I'm evading your question. Like, (laughs) (laughs) how well do you know Amos? I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get into it. I mean, I can I can be a little little before I started prepping for this and knowing, you know, we're going to do Amos. We're going to learn all about it. It was Amos was a little bit of an un, unsolved puzzle for me. It didn't it didn't resonate. I knew it should, uh, it, and it seemed like these minor prophets. Amos is, is sort of stuck at the old end of the Old Testament with those other minor prophets that are in minor in no way. I think I don't even think that's a good name for them anymore. But uh, and we trot them out for like a stewardship drive. Like um, we should use these books to raise money. In our churches, and I just think that there's there's got to be a bigger a bigger thing. So I guess I would just say that's the first reason why um, uh, we we need to look at these books because they're just simply unknown. And if we're going to be Reformation people, people of the book, people of the Sola Scriptura, we ought to know. We ought to be reading the whole thing, the whole Bible. Um, to make known what's unknown. So, so I, I want. I mean, you said okay. We want to do Amos. I, I, I just sat, I just sat uh, up last night and uh, just read through the book and and try to notice things. And I'm amazing, amazing. He's violent. He is. Um, I, I don't even know. Like, how, like powerful. I mean. Was there like a was there a phrase that jumped out to you as you as you read through it? Um, this is gonna get, get me in trouble, but like uh, cows of Bation was one. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Like we've been getting called cows. I mean, how you didn't think that would happen in the Bible, right? <laughs> uh, the, but then also like. Um, some of some of his poetry in there, uh, not not just in in the way like how powerfully he was in the way he talked to people. Like we could, I was joking with my church on on Sunday um, because Paul Paul called his congregation in Corinth like like moronic ones, and I was joking saying like I was told not to say this to my church, but I'm going to. And and Amos is doing the same thing. Like he just gets into it and comes out with stuff. But it's not just that. Like this is clearly uh, a brilliant man um, who's saying also things that are very poetic. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. He's he's a a, a master at what we'd call like 
rhetoric and also inverting rhetoric and kind of flipping it on its head. You know, my own experience when I when I read, I picked up the book of Amos again, and it felt like the first time since I left the seminary or something like that. That's a little bit embarrassing, but um, I was sitting on the train and. And I was just reading these zingers from Amos. Like one of them was the lion roared, will not fear. Or, or another one says, prepare to meet your God. And, and another one says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. And I will hunt them down and, and seize them. So it's like Amos is just, he's bringing it, he's bringing it, he's bringing it. God's angry. There's no mistaking um what Amos is going after in this book. It is, it is just powerful, powerful stuff. Even even like, I will never forget what you have done. I will not forgive you. I mean, it just he's totally inverting the gospel and just an incredible, incredible, incredible law in the most powerful negative way possible, which brings me to, to my next question for you. Like, why... Okay, so you want to do Amos. You want to get through Amos. Yeah, I guess why, it was why, my idea. Why, yeah. <laughs> what, what, like, why Amos? What, what makes it applicable? And Yeah, I, I think, um, well, I, I, I actually want to circle back to what you just said. I mean, this is, it seems like it's all law, this, this Amos. And I, I counted up the verses, um, 146 verses in the whole book, okay? And... You know, of those 146, only five verses, get this, five verses that directly point people to Christ. Okay? So, this is not Galatians. Okay? This, isn't, this isn't Romans. We're in, we're in Amos. And, and I, there's a part of me that says, you know, if he would have went to our seminary, he would have failed, Jonathan. He would have failed his homiletics class because he's... <laughs> He's not bringing the gospel, right? Um, you, what thoughts do you have about that? How do you balance um, his message of law and gospel here? I mean, it's it's really interesting because, like, at, at at our church, like, we're really committed to to Lutheran theology and 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 the Reformation. And you got you got there in Amos, like, literally ninety six percent of the the book is just pure, uh, incredible law like like nobody else can bring it. and 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 one of this one of the things we say at peace is like we 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 must let the gospel predominate the gospel this is what we say right in romans 1 16 the gospel is the power of god it's it's it is or in first corinthians like it's it's the foolishness that saves us it's it lights us up it it brings us to faith it empowers us to actually live live for the lord and um I mean, so I'm 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 throwing it back to you. Like, what what, what is going on there? So, are you guys not going to study this at peace? Or? <laughs> what is going on there with the proper distinction between law and gospel? Yeah, yeah, and I think he, he, here's a here's a good point. I think we got to really win this point for ourselves. That um, it, if you read this the first time through, you're going to think, "Whoa, that's a lot of law." Okay, that's that's a lot of con- that's a lot of judgment. That's a lot of condemnation. But you have to remember here that there's two groups of people that Amos is addressing. He's he's addressing the sinners. Okay, the 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 elite of 
is Israel's society here. And he's got all condemnation and all law for those people, but he's also addressing these other people who would listen to his message. And we're going to say that these are the people who are the sinned against. Um, They're the people that Amos calls Jacob, who is so small, so small, he says about him. The people, um, the poor and the oppressed, and he calls them the remnant. So there's the the marginalized, um, the people who who are being taken advantage of by by the rich, and these people are also listening. And I, and I, and I need you to understand this, Jonathan, that they're going to hear this condemnation and judgment against the rich and the elite and, and the sinners um, in a totally different way. They're going to actually hear this gospel. They're going to hear that God is going to act on their behalf. And and so some sometimes... What is law for one group of people is gospel to another. So it's it's a little bit more of a nuanced view on this. And so I was thinking about where does this happen in other parts of Scripture, and maybe you can chime in here too, but I was thinking about um, where the Apostle Paul personifies death in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where the great resurrection chapter of the Bible, where... To us, it's all gospel, because we're the oppressed. We're the ones who are dying. And so the Apostle Paul speaks a word of law to personify death, and he says, Where, O death, is your sting? <laughs> and and we're, the, we're sitting there thinking, wow, that is great news. Death is dead. But let me tell you something else. That is absolute law to personify death. <laughs> because it is, it is dead. Does it, is this sort of making sense to you? It, yeah, it reminds me like to uh, like like Psalm like Psalm two and it, like my joke at pieces Psalm Psalm one and Psalm Psalm two or Psalm one and Psalm two for a reason. Psalm one's all about the Word of God. And Psalm two is all about Christ. And um, kiss the Son lest He be angry with you. So. Like if you come to Jesus and, and you're like, I'm awesome and I'm going to rule and I'm going to crush people, Jesus can be like, no, I'm going to crush you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kiss the sun. You better kiss the ring, man. Or, uh, but, but if you're one of those people that needs somebody to rule for you and defend you and, and um, take sin and death away from you and, and you feel that, Jesus is like, I got you. Uh, yeah. Everything's going to... Uh, Come to me if you're weary and burdened. I got you. I'm going to rule for you. And I love that. I love that. It's it, it, it's interesting, too. Like, I, I noticed this. I don't know if you want to comment on this, too. But in the New, Amos gets quoted in the New Testament as a foil for people who want to stick people with the law. Hmm. Yeah, I... I, I yeah, we're going to get into that as we get into Amos chapter 9, especially where the Apostle Paul, you know, he's going to quote straight from the book of Amos. And I, I think you're right about that, yeah. He has so much law almost to show us, like, the law cannot save us, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right. It's got to be something else. So, all right, what else makes Amos applicable? Do you have anything else there? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had a couple other thoughts about why Amos is applicable. 
Um, and I guess I, I just wanted to ask you this. Yesterday was Martin Luther King uh, Day. Um, how does that go over in the South, you know, uh, being in South Carolina and stuff? I, I know here um, we celebrate it, we observed it, and there was no school for my daughter. And um, I guess I bring it up, and you can comment in a second, because uh, Amos is the prophet of social justice, okay? So we we have to understand this. And in fact, some interpreters, I'm just going to read a couple of their thoughts. They say he, he's been used to promote political revolt, nationalism, racism, and even um, sexual perversion. Okay, so people... Amos is, you know, if if you're going to address social ills um, as a Christian church, you got to look to to Amos, um, Martin Luther King Day. I think it's a good civil civil rights and stuff like that. So how did that go over in South Carolina? And you think Amos speaks to any of that? So so relevant, right? So so relevant. I mean, God God cares about people. That. That's the bottom line. God cares about people, and uh, his prophets certainly let let us know about that. And Amos, I think it'll be really fun to kind of get into what he says exactly, and and, and deal with those social problems. Um, yeah, I, I just think as as far as Amos being applicable, we're sitting. Look, yesterday was Martin Luther King Day, and Friday we're going to inaugurate. Donald Trump is president and and this new you know this is a different era for our country now um, I I think we're gonna be looking to Amos here as we as we grapple with some of these these societal and and social issues and and Amos is just not he's not gonna um, steer away from these things I don't he's just not gonna do that yeah from from a Christian perspective I think I will say this like it, I think we can all admit, like, boy, we really haven't come that far, even though we've had an African-American president. And um, I think it goes to show how deeply sin goes in us and in lo truly loving other people and breaking down barriers. But then also how much we need the word of God. Oh, to... <laughs> yeah. This new reformation that we've been talking about, you know, this new reformation with the word and you know, I, Jonathan, we talked about bringing some guests on the show too, and I was thinking about it, talking to like some, bringing some social workers into some of these episodes, and I wanted to bring one of my friends who's a, um, he's a he's a defense lawyer um, in the in the criminal justice system, and basically in Israel, that's exactly 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 what Amos is talking about where there's, there's this just injustice, there's economic inequality, um, all of these different things that we're talking about today were happening in Israel. So, I mean, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Who, who is Amos? Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, well, Amos, he tells us about himself, right? So we're going to be covering um, Amos chapter 1 today. Verses 1 and 2. So we just did a little introduction to the book. We saw how Amos is relatively unknown, how powerful his message is, and how applicable it is today. So Amos, this is what he says. He calls himself um, one of the shepherds of Tekoa. Now, Jonathan, I listened to your, your sermon podcast, 
you had a sermon about the shepherds when Jesus was born. Just tell me a little bit about shepherds for a moment, and then I'm going to expand on that, because I really thought you, you did pretty well at pointing out, you know, shepherding in those days. But then I'm going to point out that uh, Amos was actually a shepherd breeder. Okay, so let, tell me about shepherds a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it becomes important in that Christmas story, I think, when uh, who does who do, who gets the news? You know, who gets the news about about this Christ who, who's who's going to be the great reverse in history uh, for sin and for sinners? And he shows up to shepherds. And um, so you have to really think that through for yourself. Who who is the Christ for? Uh, who does who is he really after? Um, and you know, here's the here's the socially downcast. Here's here's like uh, uh, like my joke. I think my joke in that sermon. I can't remember. I preached that a couple of years ago now. But I think my joke was. Um, I don't think anybody. You might grow up and say, I want to be a firefighter, or like I want to be. <laughs> you know, like, but nobody nobody grows up like I, like i want to be a shepherd i want to i want to be out there in the cold and in the elements and like deal with these sheep who constantly are doing dumb things like <laughs> yeah and i think you were kind of saying that you know shepherds are are rough kind of people I, I was trying to think about like who would be the shepherds today and you know Maybe it is. I was thinking, like, what about construction workers? They're so, uh, you know, they're the ones that sort of uh, make these comments when women they're the, walk by. And, you know, everybody sort of views them as rough characters. You, you think that's um, a good parallel? shepherds or <laughs> i don't know if we're gonna have any, any yeah like <laughs> no I, I think they're wrong about construction workers i should say that <laughs> or like if you're a mechanic or something yeah um, yeah maybe i was it's it's just it's i'm trying i'm spinning a little bit because those sort of like agrarian um agricultural farming pursuits um I don't run into those kind of people, so I don't know. But I think people can get the gist here. Yeah, yeah. So like, like, let me tell you about Amos. So Amos is, our, you know, our translations, they call him a shepherd. Um, I think sheep breeder is a little, bit, a little bit better. The word there is actually used only twice in the Bible. Okay, and the other time it's used is this very, very rich man. Um, and so... In order to be a sheep breeder, you you got to sort of kind of be like Jacob, and you have to have a lot of sheep, okay, um, to be able to do that. And and so Amos, we have to understand, Amos was a person of substance and a person of influence, and and a person who understands literature and he he understands the things that are going on in the day. So, like, there's this question: like, how did he know what the party scene in Israel was like? Because later we're going to see these people just passed out drunk on their couches and stuff. So how, how does he know this? And the, and the answer to that is because he was there. He was, he was at the parties of the, the upper crust, or to put it in today's term, he was the guy who, who could walk into Trump Tower and get, and get received there. Okay, so he's, 
he's a sort of a guy from from the upper crust. It's interesting. It reminds yeah. me a little bit of like like uh, like the, the calling of, of some of the apostles, like the, like those sons those sons of Zebedee. Like Jesus comes along, he's like, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you guys, and and we we forget that it was like Zebedee Inc. You know, like they had hirelings. So they were doing good business, and it sounds like Amos was a little bit like that. Yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly right. Amos, he's a. It, it, you have to understand this about him. He's he's running with the the uh, the big wigs, like with the Clintons and the Trumps and and all these different people, and so he's in this good position to also be able to to speak to this this kind of sin. Now, the other thing that he says about himself is that he's from Tekoa. And um, there's one other mention of Tekoa in the Bible. I'm going to read it. This is from Nehemiah 3, verse 6, 3, verse 5, excuse me. And uh, <laughs> so this is, this is what the Bible says. This, admittedly, this is from 300 years before Amos, okay? But this is, this is what the, the men of Tekoa are like. So they're repairing, remember, they're repairing the wall. In, in Jerusalem. And um, so Nehemiah reports this. The next section was re- repaired by the men of Tekoa. This cracks me up. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to work under their supervisors. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> These, like, I'm not going to do that. So the sheep breeders, okay? So the <laughs> sheep breeders from Tekoa. <laughs> I don't know what this says about Amos, all right? But these these guys are pretty well off. And so like, like, like better than the Bethlehem people? like the Be- <laughs> Yeah. Because they're nearby Bethlehem, you know? Yeah, so th- these are a different group of people than the shepherds outside of Bethlehem. <laughs> <laughs> we could say and and so Amos is going to sort of kind of go after his own people his own socioeconomic um type of people is this making sense to you so he's there in Judah but then he goes up to I suppose we'll get into how he goes up north and, and prophesies there yeah but he, he's also gonna he's not just addressing um northern kingdom and we'll talk about this as as the um, podcast goes on but he like in our verses for today he thunders from look at that he says he thunders from from zion he's going to roar from roar from zion he's going to thunder from jerusalem and it's just going to be this this message that he's going to bring to both the northern and the and the southern kingdoms then yeah so, so what's his big deal? What can we know about him from these first two verses? What we can know as far as like the historical content, Israel's pretty, pretty well off. Like they're, they're doing, this is what some people call the Silver Age because Uzziah's around, um, Jeroboam's king. Um, the Golden Age was, of course, Solomon, but here we're in the Silver Age. And they, they're actually really proud of it. They're like, whoa, we're in, we're in this great place. We're rich. We're fantastic. We're Trumpian. Um, everything's 
ivory inlaid and, and all these different things. But what they didn't realize is that the only reason that they were doing so well is because Assyria wasn't doing well at the time. And, and Assyria is politically uh, fragmented. They're not united. And as soon as Assyria gets their act together, Jonathan, um, and Amos is going to tell them this, you guys are toast. So, so this never happens, right? It, it never happens. Like life is good, and and so God must really like we never, we never equate good life circumstances with how God, how God evaluates us. Yeah, and <laughs> we we never do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, so you think God is smiling on me because everything is going got that so job well. Ocean, got that sweet new ride. Yeah, God, God, that new house I've God must wanted. love me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Anything but Christ and his cross to know that he loves us, right? Yeah, Amos is going to speak to that sort of prosperity gospel, and he's going to say, no, look, prosperity is uh, the nice car and the big house and the, and the beach place is, is, uh, cannot speak to where you are at spiritually, in fact, these people, he's going to speak a word of woe to them. You're dead. Yes. So, so I'm done. I mean, tying right into like, I'm, I'm dying to hear your comments on like, what is this? He marks himself historically, and he does it a really interesting way, really profound way. He says, um, he's what he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake. Yeah. So everybody. Everybody must have known about this earthquake. Um, everybody. Scholars sort of pinpoint that earthquake right there in 760 BC. And so um, when, when people experienced this earthquake, and it was the earthquake, it was the, the memorable one, everybody knew about it. It was like their... Um, you know, it was their JFK moment, I think. They, the people thought, God's doing something here. Mm -hmm. God is, God is acting. And, well, it, and it was the confirmation of Amos, Amos's prophecy, like, whoa, Amos was right. Um, holy cow, you know, holy cows of Bashan. <laughs> <laughs> we we so, better listen I'm, to what he said. And then earth, it's interesting, like the earthquakes continue to just be this incredibly huge biblical theme. Jesus will talk about them as, as a sign of like the finally the end of the world. Um, Revelation will do the same thing. Uh, even even as Jesus is dying, you know, you have the fabric of the earth creation being torn apart. I mean, is that here too? Yeah, and we could add on to that. Um... The, uh, when Jesus rose again, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's so, right. That's right. Yeah. Anytime, and and we call it like when we talk about genres in Scripture, we're going to see lots of genres here in, in Amos. Th this genre is actually theophany. So, can you think of other theophanies, Jonathan, in, in the Bible? So, Where? so theophany, just so everybody knows, why don't you define that for all the listeners? Yeah, theophany is just two Greek words. It's, it's, a, it's just an, a God appearance. A God appearance. And, and maybe the biggest one is when God shows up is uh, in Job. 
Job when that's the longest one. But of course, the greatest theophany. I, can you think of the greatest theophany? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you fill me in? <laughs> the incarnation, you know, God. Yeah. And, and when God visits us, um, sometimes it is to punish sin and and to bring judgment. But, but of course, um, his ultimate goal is always to come and visit us with his grace and and to receive those sins in, in his appearance, in his body. And so... So just like as a closing thought and to give people a reason to come back and listen again, like... Okay, so... You, could, could we say like... Besides our mom. <laughs> yeah, could, you, could we say like, Amos is going to say something big. I mean, God is showing up and Amos has got something huge. And, and um in, in the same, not not to the extent that, of course, Christ becomes the ultimate God of visitation, um, where he reverses everything. But could we say that Amos is going to be a big deal? It, yes. <laughs> it, it, you knew I was going to say that, though. That's <laughs> I set you up to like preach the law and gospel. <laughs> yeah, like just the fact, you know, we need this book. We, uh, Jonathan, I don't know if, if, if you're like me, but, you know, you go through these po- po- parts of your life where you're like, I need the roar restored. That's what I need. And I need God to be real honest with me about my sins. And, but I need God also not to leave me hopeless because what can I do about my sins? And we, like, we need God to shake us in this, in this, uh, just shake us. And and the good news is that when he does show up, <laughs> right? Um, He's going to restore that rock. Yeah. Like you said. He'll shake the sins right off of us and, and remove them and shake life right into our lives. And Yeah. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his prophets. Um yeah, thank God for a chance to to think about it here in this podcast. I hope everybody's enjoyed this. I know I really have. I can't wait to keep digging into it. Um, uh, I'm out. I don't know, Timothy, if you want to take us out. Yeah, uh, um, I, I am too. And I, j- please join us for next week. We'll get into Amos chapter two, and in a little bit more chapter one, where where Amos is really going to bring it. So it's time to it's it's time to do Amos. Mm-hmm.